Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Tesla CEO Elon Musk has agreed to move forward with his $44 billion deal to buy Twitter, according to an amended regulatory filing made by the social media company today. Mm-hmm. Shares of Twitter surged on the news, rising more than 12.7% before being halted for viability or volatility. The stock continued to climb when it resumed trading at roughly 3.30 p.m. And I did look at the... the they, uh, hold on. they halted the stock from being traded because it was going too crazy. Yeah, at noontime, it was 40, 42.90, 43 bucks, and then it spiked all the way up to, uh, to 50 and then it started, and it, cl- it was climbing from there for a couple of hours. And then I guess at like three three o'clock, they decided to halt it. Wow! So I mean, that's certainly a large leap, especially for stocks, right? I mean, they, they don't generally jump up, you know, seven dollars or whatever it is per share when they're in that range. What would you say that was thirteen percent, something like that? Yeah, twelve point seven. Yeah, they they don't normally do that, but man, people could have, you know, the little guy out there using the Robinhood app mm-hmm. could have been making some money today. That's why they had to stop this, yes. right? Yes. They can't have that. So this is yet another reason why stocks suck for, you know, like you said, the little guy. The big players, they're the ones who are in control of this marketplace. And they're the ones who froze it. Yeah, the last exactly. time it was this high was in April, April 25th. The Twitter stock. The Twitter stock. And then it, and then it plummeted in mm-hmm. uh, May, May 5th. And it's been down, you know, 30, 35 bucks in that area forever for the enti- almost the entire year. And then uh, it's decided to climb back up because someone decided he's going to put Trump back on, right? Well, Trump already <laughs> said he wouldn't come back. Oh, I'm calling BS on that. <laughs> if Twitter was like, "Hey, Trump, we're going to unsuspend you or undelete your account or whatever," yeah. he'll be he'll be back. He'll be back. Well, how much is day. how much has he invested in Truth Social? I don't know. I mean, if he goes if he goes back to Twitter, Truth is no good. I mean, who's going to spend any time on there? That's a good point. My question is how many blue checkmark reporters, Twitter reporters, are going to do what they've been saying they're going to be doing forever and, and ever and, and leave and, no, and go where? To Canada? Uh, I mean, people have always <laughs> said that stuff, right? Like that they're going to leave the United States and they're going to leave Twitter. And how do you walk away from an audience? I mean, whether you like the CEO or not. Especially if you immaterial. form your, your whole reporting style is revolves mm-hmm. around just reporting on Twitter feeds. Yeah. The theory that I saw somebody make online about this today was that if he goes through with the deal, cl- closes it, it's done, now he's the owner of Twitter, the idea is then he can truly audit Twitter. He can then like do whatever technology scanning yep, yep. program that he needs to to see how many of these things are bots versus real accounts, and that's when he can say, Okay, this was BS. You guys said it was 5%. He can then sue them after the fact. Ooh, interesting. Is the idea. Oh, and another thing he can do is he can probably fire a couple thousand Twitter employees, which are unnecessary in my opinion. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? Uh, they're not making money, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Musk confidentially filed a letter in Delaware Chancery Court earlier Tuesday seeking to proceed with the deal on its original terms. Mm. The about face comes just days before Musk was scheduled to be de- uh, deposed by Twitter's lawyers in the company's uh. lawsuit seeking to force the Tesla CEO to buy the company. In its securities filings, Twitter posted Musk's letter saying that he, the social network, and Musk's holding companies created to facilitate the merger, quote, intend to proceed to closing on the transaction, end quote, originally re- reached back in 
April 25th. I thought Twitter and their board and all of the Twitter employees were against Musk buying Twitter. So why would Twitter's attorneys be attempting to force Musk to do it? Because they knew he was going to lose. And, and, if, and if Ian's right, he's just going to sue him afterwards. Well, and, who, and who's he right, going to sue? Hold on, hold on. To answer your, your question, initially the comments were negative. Initially they said, ah, we'd rather not you know, Musk buy our company. But the fact is Musk offered a fair price and the Twitter board has essentially a fiduciary duty or whatever you want to call it to their shareholders. And they have to basically take an, a decent offer. If the offer isn't insultingly low, if it's a fair offer, yep. then they have to take it. If, it, if it's going to make their shareholders money overall, right? Like if you bought it at a peak and then the price is coming in lower than that, you lose. They can't do anything about that. But if it's going to make the bulk of the shareholders a profit, they have to take that deal. Even and if so, it means that they're going to cease to be shareholders, Right? He could take the uh, the company private. I thought I thought he was intending to. I hope he does. I think that would be the right uh, right move. I don't know if that's something he can do when the deal closes, or if he has to make filings with whatever government agencies. I don't know what sort of things you have to do to go from public to private. I imagine there's some bureaucracy. It wouldn't be the first time that someone bought a company just because they felt that that company was lying. The high score repository, uh, Twin Galaxies, had false scores that belonged to like Billy Mitchell and Todd Rogers and some other people. So this new guy named Chase Hall ended up buying it. And it, part of the contract was that all of these scores within it, none of them were fake. They were all reliable. They were all consistent. He bought this company, this multi-million dollar company, just so he could audit the, the records and prove whether or not they were or weren't fake. What are these scores are you talking about? Uh, high sc- video game high scores. High scores. Oh, okay. Yeah. And as it turned out, that was the case where there was Twin Galaxies was lying about the high scores and all wow. of these records and stuff. So it would it wouldn't be too surprising to me to hear that Elon Musk did this build just to or went through with this purchase just to prove that Twitter was lying about their bots. Was the person who sued the, in the story you're talking about a gamer, a gamer or an actual like businessman? He was an actual gamer. Hmm. So yeah, he, I mean, he was passionate about the he subject was, he and he was, wanted he, it to be. Right, he was passionate, but I mean, he wasn't a businessman like Elon Musk is, and he seems like he's trying to make money. So it's kind of different. So you're, I don't know. A Twitter spokesperson said to Yahoo Finance in an email, the intention of the company is to close the transaction at 5420 per share, and I've always loved that, 5420. 420, yeah. <laughs> Musk initially agreed to buy Twitter in April for 5420 per share, but soon pulled out of the deal on July 8, claiming the Twitters that Twitter wasn't providing enough information about the number of fake accounts on the platform. Twitter struck back at Musk just days before the lawsuit, uh, in the hopes that Musk would be forced to buy the company. It's possible that Musk reversed course yet again because his lawyers anticipated he'd lose that lawsuit. Hmm. Their quote, Musk is finally listening to his lawyers. He will be a fool not to at least try to buy the company now. Well, this and is a, what Twitter said? This who, is, who said this? This is a Nat Alon Beck, oh, okay. Sorry. who is, I don't know some who cons- he is, some lawyer. S- some lawyer. Yeah. Uh, so he says he must be a fool unless he did this. Uh, in its lawsuit, Twitter said that Musk's purported concern about fake accounts was just a pretext for backing out of the deal as the stock market started to turn sour. And yeah, it did. Indeed, Musk had expressed concern over the issue long before backing out of the deal, according to text messages that became public last week as a part of Twitter's lawsuit. Yeah, and it's 
I don't, I don't know that he actually, it, it, they said that he sent um, uh, concerns, mm. concerning texts uh, to his buddies. Well, if he was that concerned about it, why would he make the offer to buy them in the first place? You know, if he had those concerns, it seems like that should have prohibited him or at least held him back from making the offer that he made. Unless it was some whim. He said that Ukraine should stop and sit down and have some peace negotiations with Russia. Plain and simple. That's all he said. That was it. I think there was like a four-part thing that he came out with, and one of them was that he thought that there should be a redo on the referendums and that the people of the eastern Ukraine should be able to make their own decision, that that people should honor the the votes of these people. If they want to join Russia, that they should be able to join Russia. And it actually triggered Zelensky. Yeah, well, we we know Zelensky's been getting his marching orders from everybody— Boris Johnson, uh, Biden, the whole nine, do not negotiate with Russia, period. Stop. End of, end of sentence. You're not, you, or you don't get any money. Didn't Ukraine just take back the regions that voted to join Russia, though? Didn't they? No, like, they, they, no uh, Russia got out of a town or something uh, because they, I guess they got, they got word that their Ukrainians were moving in, so they bolted. And they're saying that they, there was this huge victory when... It, nothing really happened. Well, I was under the impression that at least one of these regions that had just had a, one of these referendums that you know voted to join Russia or whatever it was was now under the control of Ukraine. So I've been waiting on the media to come out and say, "Hey, we had a new referendum, and it turns out ninety nine percent of the people here support Ukraine." No, all they've been talking about all day today and yesterday is nukes. That Ru- that Russia is going to nuke. Next, he's got some kind of tidal wave nuke or something, and he's going to hit New York. Apparently. It's just so much radial severing York? and warmongering or anything. He, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, I've heard theories that he would probably want if he wanted to do this, which I think is bullcrap. Uh, he would want to hit a city that he could decimate. So like a smaller population city. Like Kiev or something. Yeah, exactly. It would make sense. It would not, not to mention he's right there. It wouldn't make sense, but it would be it would. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is because it's never as sensible to drop a nuclear weapon, but it would at least be within the realm of war for him to use a nuclear weapon against Ukraine. It would make no sense at all for him to use one against the United States and just drag the United States into open conflict with Russia when Russia, from what we can tell, and you know, all of these people are lying, none of them are being honest, but from what we can tell, Russia isn't exactly succeeding in their invasion of Ukraine. That's what they tell us every single day. Remember when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine and Elon Musk said, I'm going to help out. I'm sending Starlinks down. Boom. He sent like a truckload of Starlink dishes down to Ukraine. Got all kinds of good press. And, you know, everybody's just talking about how generous Elon Musk is and he's helping the Ukrainians. And now he comes in with a four point tweet. Uh, This was posted sometime on October 3rd to his account at Elon Musk on Twitter, where he says, in order for Ukraine-Russia peace, colon, redo elections of the annexed regions under UN supervision. Russia leaves if that's the will of the people. Crimea, formerly part of Russia as it has been since 1783. Water supply to Crimea, Crimea assured. So he's referring to the dam that apparently was built, subsequently has been destroyed by the Russians, but the Ukrainians built up a dam to prevent water from going to Crimea after Russia took back yep. Crimea. A lot of people don't talk about that. Yeah, and uh, he says, finally, Ukraine remains neutral, meaning don't join NATO. 
So these are the points That's he made. N- that that point I can't necessarily get on board with. I mean, you, what's you, that? That they remain neutral? Yeah, if Ukraine wants to join NATO, I mean, I I don't believe Ukraine as a nation should exist, and I don't think NATO as a union should exist. But I mean, if that's the will of the people of Ukraine, well, that's then, not what yeah, the but people NATO want. That's agreed. What the wants. NATO thirty years ago agreed to not advance NATO. Period. That's correct, and they have been since every that single time. president. Yeah, and remember, yeah, what but the I'm not obligated to fulfill my grandfather's promises. But Aria, the people are different from the government. Right? I understand. When the U.S. government does something, it's not what we want them to do. We don't know what the Ukrainian people want. Well, that's a good point. Uh, they are probably not allowed to speak. Remember, they they banned the uh, opposition party from elections. They they can't yeah. run. So if the Ukrainian people wanted something different, it's now prohibited. So it's it's impossible to say right. that the Ukrainian people would want to join NATO. This is something that this man and his backers, whoever they are, this uh, Zelensky wants to happen uh, for whatever reason. By and, the by, the way, Ari, it was the Kherson region, which is the furthest west of the of the uh, okay the the e- the eastern parts of Ukraine that, through the referendum, uh, agreed to what join Russia. Uh huh. Yep. So now the Ukrainians are moving in there, taking tanks, and uh, they took a missile launcher. So there was one other thing that I thought was worth pointing out here. To come back to Twitter and Musk for a moment, uh, in this release of apparently text messages, there was some back and forth between Musk and the former CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey. Now, we know that, you know, on this show that Jack Dorsey is a crypto guy, more so a Bitcoin guy, it seems. Like, he seems to be a Bitcoin maximalist uh, to some extent. But that doesn't mean the guy is, you know, has got bad ideas all across the board. Apparently, in late March, this is according to Fox Business and a bunch of other sources, uh, Dorsey texted Elon Musk saying that he left Twitter because, quote, a new platform is needed and it can't be a company, he said. Hmm. He said that that was the mistake that Twitter made. He says that what it should be is an open source protocol. Like Mastodon? Funded. Now, Mastodon is not quite a protocol, but it is a decentralized open source program. So it's close. Right, it's right. There. Well, that's a, so far, it's the closest I've seen yeah. to what it, what it should be. Funded by a foundation, he says, of sorts that doesn't own the protocol, only advances it. Kind of like library. Right, where library is yeah. a protocol, but there's also a foundation. The library foundation is currently under attack by the SEC. So if the SEC puts the foundation out of business, the protocol, the technology of library still exists. Dorsey went on to say that Twitter can't have an advertising model and that he intended to do this work and fix our mistakes once he left the company's board. Musk said he would like to help if he's able to. I like the way that Jack Dorsey thinks. I'm going to have to follow him and whatever project he starts up here because it sounds like... It sounds like... I I don't know why he doesn't just want to do Mastodon. It sounds like he wants to reinvent the wheel, but Mm -hmm. it'll be good, I think. If he actually follows through with those promises and creates sort of a... A Twitter library hybrid. I don't know exactly what he's envisioning, but it sounds promising. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm glad to hear this. I don't know what this is going to do as far as Musk buying Twitter, because he's obviously buying a centralized platform that has all kinds of problems. And is he going to just blow that up and replace it with this, you know, heretofore undeveloped protocol that uh, that they're talking about? It's going to be interesting to see how all of this shakes out. Um, and, and like I said, I saw a lot of these mainstream media articles about all the text messages behind Musk, and it's just like, man, I feel sorry for the guy having all of his 
what he thought was personal texts, just all dug through now by Yeah, how did that information media. get leaked? No, it probably it's, wasn't it's leaked. Part it's of part the, of the discovery. Yeah. You guys are talking about war, and uh, th- I wanted to talk about something kind of funny, uh, yet ser- uh, serious at the same time. Uh, the Onion has actually, in defense of, I guess, somebody in the Sixth Circuit Court, uh, filed um, something with the Supreme Court, uh, SCOTUS, uh, mm-hmm. the Supreme Court of the U.S. And uh, if you start uh, reading, like, the first page, uh, first two pages, like, literally, uh, maybe you guys should explain uh, who The Onion is. You guys talk for a living. Sure. The Onion Um, is uh, probably the premier satirical publication in the United States, uh, maybe even on the planet. Uh, They have been around for decades, and while the Babylon Bee is apparently, I think, eating their lunch to some extent these days. I never never see anything from the Onion these days. They're just not that funny anymore. Babylon is right-wing. Yeah, but, or, well, or the, rightish. The Onion took a leftward slant yeah. in recent years after it it was sold to I forget if it was Univision. I think it, I think Univision bought them. And I don't know if they still own them, but uh, they did take a leftward slant, and it and it it just got bad. That the parodies and the satire they lost a lot of their humor. Uh, they used to attack everybody at the Onion, and it just started feeling like they were, on, they Sat- were only started feeling like Saturday Night Live. Yeah, basically. But but they still have a, a long history and for a long time the onion was where it was at for for parody and and satire. The clips that play on this program, how old are those? They're old now. I mean, yeah, probably that's, a good chunk of a decade old. Hilarious, but yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. They they lost their they had their day. They lost their touch. Yeah, that's true. I hope they come back someday, but anyway, uh they still exist and Dodger you're saying they filed a uh, brief. I've got it pulled up here. It's 23 page long brief uh, with the Supreme Court. What's it about? Well, I mean, if you were to read the first two pages, it would probably sound like satire right from their website. Um, But uh, it starts actually uh, mixing in truths where they actually, like, predicted the future. Um, But essentially what it comes down to is uh, they filed – this brief in defense uh, in, I want to say, the Sixth Circuit. I'm not exactly sure where that's at, but um, at either rate, uh, there's a guy uh, that uh, essentially uh, was being persecuted for making fun of cops. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you were to, to read into the brief, I just think it's it's really funny if you read like the first two pages of the brief because it literally sounds like something that you'd be reading off of their website. So the story here, according to The Guardian, is that The Onion has weighed in. The long-running satirical publication has filed this document with the Supreme Court, urging it to take on a case. So the, the court hasn't yet accepted this case. Uh, centered on the right to parody, and in order to make a serious legal point, the filing does what the Onion does best, offering a big helping of total nonsense. Claiming a global Onion readership of $4.3 trillion, the filing describes the publication as the single most powerful and influential organization in human history. It is the source of 350,000 jobs at its offices and manual labor camps, and it owns and operates the majority of the world's transoceanic shipping lanes, stands on the nation's leading edge on matters of deforestation and 
strip mining and proudly conducts tests on millions of animals daily. So what this, is the point of this? The, the, this document is just going to get thrown out. You do have to wonder whether the the people at the court are going to take it seriously. Uh, of course, this is how the Onion works. They they are a parody company, and uh, anyway, with the so the story goes. Yeah, but on you here. can't you can't parody your way in front of the Supreme Court. You wouldn't think, but that's what their lawyers apparently approved of. I mean, I, I don't think the Onion. I don't think this is going to be an effective tactic. Yeah, I, I could be wrong here, but. I don't know either, but apparently the, uh, the, they're concerned about the outcome of a case that they describe as a headline. Quote, Ohio police officers arrest, prosecute man who made fun of them on Facebook. Unquote. It sounds like an Onion headline, but it's not. In 2016, Anthony Novak was arrested for making a Facebook page that parodied the local police page. He was charged with disrupting a public service, but was acquitted. Then he sued the police department, arguing they retaliated against him for using his right to free speech. In May, the U.S. appeals court in his circuit backed the police in the case, finding Novak's lawyer said, uh, finding Novak's lawyer said, quote, sets a dangerous precedent undermining free speech, unquote. Last week, Novak appealed against the case to the Supreme Court, leading the onion, uh, leading to the Onion's filing, which is known as an amicus brief, a filing by an outside party seeking to influence the court. In one of its less amusing actions, the brief argues that the appeals court ruling, quote, impales an ancient form of discourse. The court's decision suggests that parodyists are in the f- uh, clear only if they pop the balloon in advance by warning their audience that their parody is not true. But some forms of comedy don't work on unless the comedian is able to tell the joke with a straight face, unquote. The filing highlights the history of parody and its social function, saying, quote, it adopts a particular form in order to critique it from within. To demonstrate the onion cites one of its own greatest headlines, quote, Supreme Court rules, Supreme Court rules, unquote. The document serves as a rare glimpse behind the comedy curtain, an explanation of how jokes work, even as it serves as a more traditional legal document pointing to relevant court cases and using words like dispositive. Aria, you wanted to get into the U.N. targeting the Federal Reserve. Uh, They had some words for them recently. Well, it's not just the Federal Reserve. It's the Federal Reserve and other central banks. The U.N. wants them to halt interest rates increases. The U.N. is warning that further policy tightening risks a global economic downturn. And, of course, I've got a stupid thing in front of me. Okay. The wa- this is from the Washington Journal, and they love throwing pop-ups and crap like this. And, hey, subscribe to our stupid newsletter. And I refuse to for obvious reasons. The Federal Reserve and other central banks risk pushing the global economy into recession, followed by prolonged stagnation if they keep raising interest rates. A United Nations agency said Monday. And they have said publicly that they intend to continue raising interest rates in order to quote-unquote fight inflation, which is, of course, this ridiculous mythology that they've been promoting here to suggest that somehow a policy of rising interest rates is going to stop their policy of printing. Yeah. Meanwhile, the printers go burr. In theory, it would slow inflation. It could, in theory, if it actually stopped banks from giving out loans. And if they weren't busy loaning out massive amounts of money to the federal government, trillions upon trillions of dollars in COVID-19, quote, stimulus packages and Mm -hmm. economic relief packages and all this other nonsense. 
The warning comes amid growing unease about the haste with which the Fed and its counterparts are raising borrowing costs to contain surging inflation. Again, to go back to that, to that mythology, India's central bank Friday said that the global economy was facing a third major shock after mm. the COVID-19 pandemic and Russia's invasion of Ukraine in the form of aggressive rate increases by central banks in rich countries. I'm surprised they didn't throw climate change in there while they're at it. Oh, that's, that's true. Coming. Well, it I, but it's I thought that was the third and this would be the fourth. Well, they haven't really started in on the whole climate change thing. The World Economic Forum has a plan for it, oh, but yeah. it hasn't like they haven't rolled it out quite. So as yet. soon as the soon as the Ukraine Russia thing cools off a little That's bit, probably it. Because yeah. nukes aren't coming. These it's are all not climates. Uh, yeah, these are all just nonsense caused by the governments. Like the sure. COVID nineteen pandemic didn't really cause an economic downturn or anything like that, but no. government lockdowns the certainly did. did yeah. And the same thing with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The economies around the world would probably have been just fine, more or less. If not for the, was the sanctions, the sanctions and then yep. Russia's counter sanctions against the United Kingdom or against the European Union. Correct. And now everyone's sitting there going, "Oh crap!" There's the economy's collapsing after the governments around the world did everything they could to and, and collapse not, the economy. And not just the, the the lockdowns, but all of the printing of money for yep. as a relief effort, and all of the money spent on vaccines and on you know COVID tests. Uh, yeah, that didn't help anything. I think the federal government can do whatever the hell they want to do as far as that is concerned, but I don't know how the Federal Reserve and its interest rates play into that. I presume what they're saying is if there are loans being given to these other governments that they're going to be given at higher and higher rates. So maybe that's what they're saying. I don't know enough about international finance uh, in in the in these ways. So if you know more about it, feel free to weigh in at 603-283-6160. But what's interesting about this is the UN has identified correctly that higher interest rates leads to uh, lower economic growth, meaning that people are less likely to take out a loan to go and create a business and hire people and you know create new potentially create new wealth, new products and services in the marketplace. So there would be that stagnation, stagnation. Uh, as a result of that. But they don't. But that's in that- rich countries. The UN doesn't care about that. Well, okay, they're they're using the the smaller countries as uh, you know as their excuse here, but ultimately they're claiming a global recession, right? They're saying True. that if these if these central banks continue to raise interest rates, uh, there's going to be a global recession, and that's that's bad for everybody. But of course, the other side of it is they're going to keep printing money, so that's going to devalue the currencies of the world, which is also its own uh, you know economic nightmare. Absolutely. So this organization There's no way to, out of this, I guess, is the, sh- no. the, the short version. It does. They cannot print their way out of this problem and they can't raise their interest rates out of their you know, the way out of this problem. The problem is the central banks and the U.N. isn't calling for those to be abolished. No, the way out of this problem is, you know, cryptocurrency, gold, silver, alternative forms of payments that don't Chickens. rely on chicken eggs. Mm-hmm. Well, those trade. expire. So, yeah, well. so you they can don't... still trade them in the moment, though. I mean, I, I mean you still could, valid. but. I, I prefer something that's going to last more than a few weeks sure. to, as a store of value. Believe it or not, chicken eggs, if stored properly, not in the refrigerator, but on your table, you can. I've eaten two month old chicken eggs on hmm. my ta- right off my table. Wow, no refrigeration necessary. They don't refrigerate them in Mexico. Yeah, but based on what you were just saying during the break, your your whole house is a refrigerator. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Good point. So this organization estimated that the Fed's rate increases so far this year would reduce poor countries' economic output by $360 billion 
over three years and further policy tightening would do additional harm. So somehow the money that the Federal Reserve loans out to people does make its way, presumably, to poorer countries. Well, banks are free to loan to anybody, right? So uh, countries are generally considered good credit risks, I think, as I understand it, to to banks because they know they can just tax their way uh, out of payments or to continue to tax their people. So therefore, they're going to keep making payments on the loan. See, the odds that governments are going to default to a bank, at least, seems slim, right? Yeah. Uh, even though we know governments do and can fail and have and will uh, fail, the banks don't necessarily see it that way. They see the governments as a good bet. Well, all of this that we're seeing in the United States is just a way of the United States defaulting on its debt. They're just dragging the process out and doing it slowly so that it doesn't happen all at once. But eventually they're going to lose control of the situation and that default is going to happen. Bonnie and I just just had lunch uh, yesterday, when we were leaving the courthouse out in uh, Claremont, by the way, we talked exclusive, extensively about this court case yesterday with uh, Press NH Now. That full court video is now available if you go to freekeen.com or if you're following the Freekeen uh, Odyssey channel over at video.freekeen.com. The full two-hour-long hearing that we discussed at length last night is now online, so you can you can watch that. But we went out awesome. to uh, to just grab some lunch at uh, what they called the best subs known to man that was the actual name of the business which was kind of cute it was one of the only places it was open so we went there and for two subs and two drinks it was over 30 bucks oh my god yeah i would have kept on driving (laughs) i know you would have you'd have gone hungry but uh that's what it was and you know the 12 dollar subs and then you add in probably what was two three dollar foot foot longs Maybe. Or eight inches, like they're. It was it was a big piece of bread. It was like a wide piece of bread, as long as so it was. I wouldn't say it was quite a foot long, but wow. But yeah, it was was thirty it good? something bucks for I mean, was it yeah, worth it? Was it? it was good. Okay. I mean, you you get what you get. I mean, you yeah. you're not going to get two five dollar subs anymore. That's just not a possibility. True, it's just not an option. And you don't want to go to McDonald's and get eat off their dollar menu or whatever. I mean, it's not even a dollar menu anymore, no, right? It, it's well, a, it hasn't been for years. It's a value menu. Right. <laughs> And I don't know what you get for that, but it's not going to be very good. And you're probably better paying a little bit more to get something that's not McDonald's. You know what I do? You know what I buy at the store these days? The grocery store? Groceries? Milk. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. You know, so you know what that means, don't you? It means I need some, get some, some milk goats. <laughs> <laughs> add, add them to the farm. All right, man. Go at it. Well, I suppose so. But I mean, the economy does suck, right? I don't and know if you're going to get gallons of milk out of a goat, but maybe you will. No, you won't. No. Uh, the, how many goats are you going to get? I guess it depends on how much you know <laughs> I can drink. He, he just walked in with two gallons of milk when he came here tonight. That's going to be a lot of milking. Milk, uh, making your own cheese uses a lot of milk. Mm. Yeah, you got, yeah, I, I, I don't have that much time to save a f- couple of dollars. It, it all works together. Before you know it, you're saving all kinds. You make little make little cuts here and there. Before you know it, you're uh, you're not going to the grocery store anymore. You also have to work less doing that, right? Well, yeah, it's, and that's the thing. A lot of people look at me as like, dude, how do you only work like two days a week? How do you how do you even get well, you by? You milk your own goats. Well, by not buying groceries for one thing, and I'm I'm cut out the middleman and everything else. You know, I do do all my own work. 
Did you or someone you love work, live, or serve at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988? If you or someone you know lived, served, or worked at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988 and has cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, they are entitled to compensation. To see if they are eligible, they need to call Liberty Legal. Contaminants in the drinking water have led to these serious diseases and legislation is now available for for veterans and family members who may qualify for financial help from the government. There may be a time deadline, so don't wait. Call 888-918-1037. Anyone that has lived, worked, or served at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1988 and has had cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, the money is already set aside. 888-918-1037. 888-918-1037. In the, uh, the country of Lebanon, I think it's a country, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have had, I've seen the headlines in the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, I think, actually, where man holds up bank demanding access to his own funds. Woman holds up bank yeah. demands access to her own funds. It has happened more than once that this news has come out and made it all the way over to here so it must be getting really crazy. Well, there. the teller's like, uh, you've, you're here to get all our money. He's like, no. Just mine. Just mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the problem, right? Is that they don't have that person's yep. money. That's why they're implementing these withdrawal limits in the first place. Just like that, that stupid Christmas movie that everyone loves. It's a wonderful life or whatever. It's a, it's basically a run on the bank, except here. I don't know why the Lebanese banks have implemented these withdrawal limits, but we've mm. seen. These sort of things happen in the United States where a bank just says, hey, look, no, you can't withdraw your money. What's we, the one where he shoots his eye out with a rifle? The pellet gun? Uh, I don't know. The other Christmas, famous Christmas story. I'm not sure. Because I thought that's what you're referring to. I'm, I like, I'm like, there wasn't a bank run in that movie. No, I just remember there was something about a bank run. And I, I don't remember the details about the movie. It was just something, some crap that my grandmother watched each year. But, I mean, these things have happened in the United States. We hear about this going on in Lebanon. We think, oh, yeah, that could never happen here. But, no, the banks that we have here in the United States, they're every bit as evil and tyrannical as the ones in Lebanon. It's just not quite that bad here right now. Outraged bank clients, at least two of them armed, stormed four commercial banks across Lebanon on Tuesday over withdrawal limits that have been imposed throughout the country amid a financial meltdown. And the same sort of financial meltdown mm. could very much be on its way here to the United States. Mm -hmm. I don't think Americans would r run into the banks with arms demanding their money, but the banks absolutely do have a they have a precedent. They've done it in the past of saying, "Nope, you can't have your money. You can't trust these people." Cases, Which story is this? I'm sorry, who published this one? This is from Yahoo. Yahoo. Well, it's posted from Reuters. I don't know. It's okay, unclear. Got it. Cases of bank holdups have snowballed across Lebanon as residents have grown exasperated over the informal capital controls that banks have imposed since an economic downturn began in 2019. On what does that actually mean? I'm looking through a, a very similar story from Al Jazeera. And it's almost it's not quite word for word the same, but it's very, very similar uh, to what you're sharing here. And they also refer to these informal capital controls. I mean, if you go in there with a grenade... And you demand your money. They're going to give you your money. You may not make it out of the building alive, mm. but I mean. But can they? But once you leave the building, can they go after you if you only took your money? 
It's aggravated assault yeah, with a deadly weapon, them. I think. What is brandish? I guess it would be brandishing a grenade would technically be threatening. Even if you just say, "Hey, give me," even if you don't say, "Give me my money," or I'm blowing up the place. It, just going in there with a grenade and be like, "Hey, how about giving me my money?" Certainly constitutes an implied threat. So. Th- this guy had $24,000, and there's Depositors Outcry, which is a group campaigning for angry depositors. So I mean, mm. th- He's not robbing the bank. These people in Lebanon are not robbing the bank. Sure. They're demanding their own money back. Under the threat of violence. Well, the, presumably when they opened up these accounts, it was stipulated that if they wanted their money, the bank would have to give them their money. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, 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 still, I'm still working on this. It's their private property it's their property that and they, they turned are over to a custodian and the custodian has rules that they have set. i'm not defending look i don't want to make it sound like i'm the defending custodian the changed the rules yeah but if i but i ha- if i have a contract with you to ki- to keep some possessions for me mm-hmm. and you refuse to give them back to me whenever i request them show me in the contract where it says you uh, you can do this to me i can otherwise, show you in their contract otherwise can- i'm going to I you. guarantee you, Conan, you didn't read those terms of service, and it tells you in those terms of service probably something to the effect of, if we feel it necessary to restrict access to your account for any reason that we deem fit, then we will restrict access to your account for any reason we deem fit. And they also have the right to update the terms of service, just like every corporate terms of service does. Well, I'm going to have to call up my local credit union and see where those are because I don't remember signing anything. I don't remember I don't remember a long lengthy contract with my credit union that says that they could keep my money if they didn't have it. He is it, right. I, that it's possibly in there. Man. That garbage is in there, man. The credit unions all have a in the case of credit unions, they're it's all a little insured. different. It's it's a little well they're insured by the federal government, but uh, in the case of credit unions they have a membership agreement basically that you have certain terms. You are a quote unquote owner of the the bank as somebody who is one of their members so it's different than being a a bank customer so right. you actually are supposedly a part owner but they can still restrict your accounts and they can still do all kinds of things to you, you. just arbitrarily close your accounts as they did me even though i was technically an owner mm. right so we're talking about this group depositors outcry they told reuters in a statement that the man identified as al Ali al-Saheli was in deep debt, uh, so Kona may have mm-hmm. been actually yep, correct. Yep, 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 yep. Loan sharks, I'm telling you. I don't know about loan sharks, but he... He was going to sell his kidney, damn it. <laughs> he he okay. owed someone some money. <laughs> okay, fair, fair point. He was in deep debt, and he also needed to wire money to his son, who was studying in Ukraine, mm. interestingly ah, enough. Interesting. I don't know if there, I, the conspiracy theorist in me wants to make a connection there, but there's no outright connection. Mm. He had been trying to sell his kidney, the statement said. Jeez. Security forces later entered the bank and arrested Saheli before he could access any money, the group said. That's unfortunate. He couldn't even get his money, and now he's arrested and he's going to yep. be... All because he tried to withdraw his money. BLC had no immediate comment for Reuters. Uh, BLC, I believe, was the bank. bank. Yes. The Katara branch of the BLC bank is where this happened at. So I don't know what BLC stands for, but it's the bank in question. Bank of Lebanon, Katara? I'm just guessing. Also on Tuesday, a group of people employed at a state power station in Lebanon's north stormed the first national... God, they wrote this badly. This group of people stormed the first national bank branch in the port city of Tripoli, 
According to witnesses, they were angry over delays in having access to their salaries and fees. They were being charged for the process. So they weren't getting their paychecks in a timely manner. And then they were being charged, apparently, excessive fees on top of it. So these people employed at a state power station, the state employees are always supposed to be the ones that these these socialist states pay first, right? You got to keep your own employees happy. It's the little people that starve. But evidently not. Wow. Their, their union representative, Talal Hayer, from outside the bank, said uh, that they were angry over these delays and the increased fees and all of this nonsense. In a third incident, an armed depositor briefly took... I like how they're calling them depositors, right? Yeah. Normally, it'd be like an armed assailant right. or uh, you know an, <laughs> an armed intruder or whatever. It's but so wild. They could... They could just as you say an armed customer mm-hmm. because I, I I'm going to use customer from yeah. now on instead of depositor just to really drive the point home. But mm-hmm. th- there's being surprisingly fair about all of this considering Yahoo is owned part and parcel by banks. They took hostages at a Biblos bank in the southern city of Tyre, according to the Depositors Association, another advocacy group. I wonder how these advocacy groups are handling this, right? Because they're advocating that this is wrong, but here you've got people going to these extreme measures, taking hostages and stuff like that, and you can't support that. I would not. A fourth depositor staged a sit-in. That that would be a a better, more moral way of dealing with this sort of thing. A sit-in? Is, is to do a sit-in. Okay. At IBL Bank in the Beirut suburb. They'll still suburb, arrest you. They will. And but at you, least you'll only get arrested for trespass in that case, or whatever the equivalent is of that in in Lebanon. You're not you're not putting a gun at a teller. You don't have right. a, a, a you you're know, not you committing don't have an a act of violence or something like that. He said that he would not leave until he was granted unfettered access to his account. Mm. Depositors outcry said, and well, I mean, that's not that's only a sit-in because the bank wouldn't give him back his money. Yeah, he'd, right? he'd go away if they yeah. just gave him his money. All of this could be very easily solved. It was not immediately clear if he was armed. I'm curious. I'm assuming the Bank of Lebanon, like all banks, they loan out this money, and that's the reason they can't give it back to them, either because they need it as fractional reserves, or because they don't have it, or because they make more money by having it in their accounts. Probably some of those things sounds believable It doesn't say, but that's how the banks in the United States work. Yeah, and look, and- if they don't want to give you all the dollars back, it suggests that they don't have them on hand to give. Right. right, or that they don't benefit from getting rid of the dollars, and the dollars are benefiting. Well, them. obviously they they don't benefit. The whole business of banks is to get people to put money into them. Sure, but there's a reason why they. Well, we'll get into the inflation aspect of this if they don't touch on it. But please continue. Well, there's a few more details. Last month, a spree of seven holdups in a single week saw the banking association announce a closure for about a week. <laughs> wow. Five incidents have already rocked banks this week. What is it's Tuesday? Damn. On Monday, Lebanese depositor Zair Kwaja, customer, again, I want to point out, I love how fair this Reuters is being here by rightfully pointing out that these are customers at the bank. Yes, not terrorists, customers. Zair Kwaja and some associates managed to withdraw $11,750 from an account with more than $700,000 in it at a branch of some other bank. BLOM, what is this? A pop-up tried to come up. BLOM, that's the bank in question, said that the man was not armed and that it would investigate the incident. So apparently he wasn't supposed to be allowed to withdraw $11,000. I don't know. A few kind words to some tellers can go a really long way in some of these places. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they're not going to let you. I mean, I've seen some tellers do some really shady things because someone 
was charismatic or they were mm-hmm. they were charming and they were able to manipulate a teller to give them back money that they had deposited that they weren't supposed to get access to. I've seen some really shady stuff going on with tellers. I would imagine that's what happened here with these people withdrawing this $11,000 since they can't they can't confirm whether or not these people were even armed so they didn't hold up the bank. They just withdrew more money than they should have been allowed to and that mm. to me suggests you know he was a friend of a teller or something along Could those be. lines. To the extent that these people were using the threat of violence, I don't agree with their actions. Absolutely not. Um, which is why I liked the sit-in approach better. Like, you know, okay, we're not going to threaten you with a grenade. We're just going to sit here peacefully until you give us the money or until the police come and, and take us away. And so, but what I wanted to focus on here was like, why is this happening? Okay, what what would lead these people? The, the article that you wrote, read from Reuters mentioned informal controls, I think was the terminology, had been put into place on these, uh, you know, all of the bank accounts, that the banks themselves had done this. It didn't blame the government policy. It may have come from a government policy, but it did. at the very least, this news story didn't blame that. So, like, where did this come from? What happened? Turns out, surprise. Before we get into that, I want to point out that these things do happen in the United States. They just don't affect the average person. Like, your debit card, it does have a daily spending limit on it. Yep, that's true. Most people never hit that limit, so they never know what's there. But at one point, I was trying to buy a guitar or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I had also made a large purchase at, at my mechanic that day for $1,200 or something like that. And Wells Fargo at the time was like, no, you can't make this purchase. I'm like, what the? the hell do you mean i can't make this purchase i'm it's not in your account the yeah. amount was in the account right I'm, yeah i'm yeah. not overdrawing and this is my money what the hell do you mean i can't and i looked further into it as i know like, you this is your maximum amount this is the maximum amount that you can withdraw yeah. from an atm and if you go to a tell and you're like hey look i've got you know two thousand dollars in my account i want to withdraw it they will let you do it but they're going to give you the third degree about it, and they're going to make you feel like a criminal. Mm-hmm. Even oh, if, ask you questions. Yeah, even um, if all you want to do is go, you know, pay off your car note or whatever. I was concerned uh, with that exact premise yesterday. Uh, I went and I went and withdrew a sizable chunk of money, and my teller didn't even she didn't even blink. Really, didn't well, ask you. Oh, didn't what ask, you she, doing? She, what you buying? Buying a new house? She or? just she didn't like I said, not a twinge, not a blink, mm. and she handed it right over to me. In order to withdraw more than the limit, and it doesn't say what the limit is here, so it'd be interesting to find that out. Uh, But in order to withdraw any more than the limit, the depositor must do so in the local currency. Mm, So it's useless, right? That's where they get you. And getting more useless over time, because according to a website called macrotrends.net, I'm looking at the Lebanon inflation rate for the last several years, and... In 2019, something went wrong. And indeed, the Al Jazeera article says the economy's been struggling since a late 2019 economic meltdown, described by the World Bank as one of the worst the world has witnessed since the 1850s. Yes, yeah, it's, it's when the government was going to impose a bunch of taxes on everything gasoline, tobacco. In Lebanon? Oh, yeah. According to this story, their inflation rate went from 3% in 2018. It was 6% in 2017. So 6 to, to 3 to 84.86% in 2019 to then 154%. Uh, I'm sorry, it was 84.86 in 2020, 154.76% uh, in 2021. 
And so, yeah, the inflation rate has been shooting up dramatically in just the last two years there. So that's the reason why these people don't want to withdraw their dollars as the local Lebanese, I believe it is called the pound or the lira, the Lebanese pound or lira. So they don't want to be handed the pound. Unless they can immediately turn it into the USD or, yes, or spend it. Uh, or but, buy Bitcoin. That would be even better, I would suggest. So That's not financial advice. The, the rate, and further, to, to add insult to injury, the rate at which the banks will exchange dollars for pounds is below market value, meaning that the depositors will actually lose money instantaneously, let alone the further inflation that they would then face from then holding the Lebanese uh, lira or the pounds, rather, to they're losing money at the time of the transaction if they have to withdraw it in local currency. So they don't want to take out the Lebanese pound. They want their dollars, which is what they put in in the first place. This is from the beginning of September, so just about a month ago. Uh, according to information through multiple sources, several banks in Lebanon are preparing to decrease the withdrawal limits allowed under Banque du Laban's Circular 161, which is currently in force until the end of September. Issued in December, the circular officially allows banks to sell unlimited cash dollars to their customers by converting them from their accounts into lira at the BDL Syrafa platform exchange rate. So this tracks with what we're reading in Al Jazeera, which is that if you have dollars in a bank account in Lebanon, sure, you can withdraw the entire balance, but you have to accept it in the crappy, inflated local currency, which is not what you had in your account. However, banking sources say that in reality, they have imposed withdrawal limits. According to the first banking source interviewed, they have currently set a withdrawal limit of $500 per account per month. (laughs) Many banks have already adopted lower limits, which is not prohibited by the circular's text. So it sounds like there's some sort of big bank, central bank, I presume, that has issued this circular. And the circular is what says what they can and can't do. And apparently they can set a very, very low limit. The Syrafa rate has so far been lower than the parallel market exchange rate, but still reacts to changes in the national currency's value on the parallel market. The Syrafa rate, so this is the rate at which you will be given if you have dollars in a bank account in Lebanon and you want to withdraw them as lira. And this is below the market rate. And they actually give you both of them here. So okay. the official rate that you will get your, your lira out at is 27600 per dollar. And this was as of the last update on Friday evening when this came out. So, again, this was a month ago. It's probably shifted somewhat since then. That is worthless as far as currencies go. I mean, if you want to withdraw $100,000, what is that, 27000 times 100? Good Lord. Two, here's well, your 2.5 million lira. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's a lot of foreign currencies are very large numbers compared to the dollar. That's just the way that they are. But anyway, what you want to compare is what they're actually getting in the market. So the bank rate is 27,600 per dollar. In the market, you can get 34,000 per dollar. So a significant chunk higher more than 33%. Were, is that more than 33%? Now you can see why people are pissed. You got yeah, 44,000. Some of these people had $44,000 or more yep. in these bank accounts. You know, your dad needs an operation at the hospital. And they want to get paid in dollars or whatever, and you can't get it. It's just not available to you. 
So desperate times call for desperate measures. Again, I don't support using violence to achieve your goals, but I can't say I blame any of these people for that level of frustration. They think it's their money. Well, and they're right. And it they're, is. They're victims here, and there are better ways of dealing with victimization. I think um, uh, violence is a last resort. Maybe, maybe that sometime is necessary, but it, it doesn't appear to be necessary at this point in what is happening there. Now, here's a question for you, and I, I don't expect you guys to know the answer to this. But if there's anybody that's ever been to Lebanon, do they have jury trials in Lebanon, or Ooh. is it just like? You get a Lebanese judge, and that's the end of the story. Because if there are jury trials... Well, it uh, could still be a kangaroo court, even with a jury yeah, trial. It could. I mean, that's what happened with Ross Ulbricht here in the U.S. Yeah. But, you know, it. I mean, I don't know if jury nullification is a thing in Lebanon, but the whole idea of doing a sit-in, you get people arrested... They go to trial, and then the jury refuses to convict. That's probably the best way out of this, because then you're not dealing with violence. You're just dealing with a sit-in with a mass number of people. You clog the courts up. Everybody takes it to trial. But again, I don't know what sort of rights you have to any kind of trial in Lebanon. I don't know if those things uh, exist there. I don't either. Oh, and, and I, the Bank de, Le- de Bank de Lebanon is the central bank of Lebanon. So I was correct that the issue that... The, paperwork that was issued yeah. that authorizes the banks to do these things it is coming from on high. what i want to know so, is why is this lebanese guy having has access to hand grenades and i can't get one? Oh, you just have to know who to talk to conan you know at the bus stop there was a sign put on by the nmdot which stands for uh department of uh, transportation of new mexico mm-hmm. NMDOT, and it was a, a picture of a car and it says look for me so, um, well, they run these commercials on the radios, look for me, you know, cars look for pedestrians, pedestrians look for cars. So they put these on the Is buses. this because people in New Mexico never learn how to look both ways before they cross the street? Is that is this an admission that uh, you guys don't even know the basics of how to get across the street? And that there now needs to be a government advertising campaign to let people know? Well, that that's why I'm calling in. I, it's it's actually quite comical because I mean he's listening to these commercials, so they want the cars to look for pedestrians too, not just the right. pedestrians run out of carsway. So, well, it's a lot easier for a pedestrian to stop on the dime than it is for a car to stop. That's a fact. And it, I don't well, know about you, but I've run into a car, you know, when I was five or six years old or whatever, and the car was fine. Was it moving at the time? Or No. No. Okay. But I mean, you know, just playing football or whatever in some mm-hmm. parking lot, I ran into a vehicle. The car sure. was just fine. That's not going to be true if the car runs into you. That's a fact. But yeah, I mean, Sarah, you're right. Everybody should be on the lookout. Drivers should be aware of their surroundings, and so should people walking or on bicycles or whatever. But this seems very basic. Why does there need to be an ad campaign about this? Is it just because New Mexicans are that clueless? Well, the thing is that our stats that we kill about, was that we're number one per capita, so which means that we've been killing about 93 to 97 people. Stop killing year. people, Sarah. Why are you doing this? Well, I mean, I mean, it's like the New Mexico. That's how much people die uh, for the last seven, eight years. Okay, so you're not killing so then, anyone. No, I mean, but the New Mexico. But I managed okay. to survive, okay. like I said, as I want a certificate. I never got hit by a car once in 22 years, and that's a miracle. Wait, wait, you want a participation award for for not getting hit? Wait a minute, Is she, she has, talking she about has yours? one, Conan. 
Yeah. She's talking about well, your certificate? certificate. Did you, did you send this to her? No, I, we don't have her address, so I can't send it to her. And no, I'm not going to ask her address on national radio. Sarah, do you want to give us your address off the air? We can send you your certificate. Have you seen the... You, oh, you don't watch this on the, she has on no the show. Internet. That, that we have a certificate here. 22 years as a pedestrian. This diploma is presented to Sarah from New Mexico. <laughs> Ms. Kardashian, last year, we covered a story here on Free Talk Live where Kim Kardashian was making all kinds of waves in the cryptocurrency world because she endorsed a token called Ethereum Max. Wait, I, th- I think I remember this. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's I don't remember Kim Kardashian doing anything like this since that time, so it was fairly you know noteworthy because she's not really known as like a crypto advocate. No, she got paid to show something. That's what happened, yeah. Ethereum Max paid her. We don't know how much. Uh, oh, actually... I don't even know what Ethereum X is. I assume it's probably just an ERC-20 token. That's exactly what it is. It's just a token on the Ethereum blockchain. So it's garbage. Exactly. Yeah, somebody made a token. They called it Ethereum Max in order to confuse people, in order to make them think that it was somehow, you know, Ethereum but better. Right. When it's just a stupid token that anybody can generate by going into a web form and creating your own tor- uh, your own token. You can make any token that you want on Ethereum as long as you're willing to pay the, s- the small fee that it takes to, to generate it. And if you have $50,000 or whatever, you can get, well, not John McAfee anymore, but you can get someone like Kim Kardashian to tweet about it. And then you can, you know, sell those tokens to people and right. make a lot of money. Uh, and that's what happened. The price of the token went up after Ms. Kardashian made her post about how uh, there was something like, I don't know that much about cryptocurrencies, but my friends say this one's really great or something. It was something that, yeah. that vapid uh, about this. And uh, apparently, according to the story here at RT.com, we do actually get to find out what she got paid because it was part of the penalty that the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, hit her with. A $1.26 million penalty was a $1 million penalty plus $260,000, which was the representation for her payment. So she well, actually she, Why up- isn't she allowed to promote this? Because she didn't disclose that she was paid to promote oh, it. I hate these people. Yeah. Securities and Exchange Commission could go to hell. This is the same group of thugs that is going after Jeremy Kaufman and Library, LBRY.com. Uh, they're going after Ripple. They're going after all kinds of organizations. They claimed the other uh, uh, couple weeks ago in a court filing that they have dominion over the entirety of Ethereum, they believe. It is their position that they can regulate all of Ethereum transactions. And they said the reason for that is because 40-something percent of Ethereum nodes are located within the United States. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon 
So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live.